I'm so tangled right now. You're in a knot, eh? I'm like a, a villain in Spider-Man right now with these wires, and I got a phone plug, and I've got earphones, and... Oh, Who needs their phone more, you or your teenage daughter? I like working the phones. <laughs> you do put in some time. I do. Are you a phone guy? Yeah, I just... You have to be now. You have to be. Yeah, unfortunately. You ever like... The group chat's always hopping, you know? Like... How long is it before you're like, what do I do with my phone? Where, well, see, where I, is it? I, my mom loses her phone all the time, and I don't think it's out of my hands long enough to lose it. It's just constantly a part of me, which is terrible. It's going to not be And Garen Ward's the same way? Let's find out. Wardo. I'm 100% a phone guy, and there's a reason, though. There's a reason. So I don't know if you guys have ever worked with engineers, specifically data scientists. No. But- <laughs> They, they like to document things, and by document, they like to put it in words, in text. So inevitably, like I'll give you an example, I called my boss last night at 1130 and, and, and pleaded for him to stop the insanity because they were discussing uh, measures that weren't exactly making sense on some of these games at 11 o'clock. I'm trying to watch the game. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Idiocy at, at, its, at its highest level. But, uh, yeah, I feel like, so I had this happen today. The guy started texting me. I'm like, this is more than five texts. If I have to text you more than five times, I'm calling you. Yeah. So I called the guy. I'm like, we're just going to get this out because I'm going to talk to you for five minutes. And we won't have to revisit this conversation all day. All right, so I still got to give you a proper intro because you are a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a former NHLer, of course, and current uh, working currently with the NHL player and puck tracking for Techno, uh, Technolog. So let me ask you something. When it comes to these engineers who's tracking uh, all this data, is McDavid um, uh, a, a techno uh, dream or is he a nightmare because it's great or so hard to figure out uh, what to do with all the data he gives us? Well, actually, the main data he gives us that is pretty awesome is he's the only guy in the National Hockey League that we've never measure, uh, measured a top speed. The rink isn't big enough for him. So when he gets going, he never actually gets to a top speed because he, I, I imagine if you if you put him straight out in a straight line and, and like the Rideau Canal in Ottawa, that would that would that would be interesting to me because knowing what we know now, the, the guy's like superhuman. So. Uh, Honestly, for these guys, again, they're looking at numbers. And for me, it's like he's – I don't know if there's any, any number that can dictate what he's doing currently in a series. Like, he's, he's imprinting himself on, on the series. I don't know what it was and when it happened. I mean, they're, they're, they're limping against L.A., and L.A. seemed to figure out that, that basically Edmondson couldn't defend. Specifically, they couldn't defend high in their own zone. Whatever – that team did to resolve that. They managed to get through the L.A. series, and now it is the Connor McDavid show to the nth degree. And I don't know currently if Calgary actually has an answer for it because the level at which he's playing, right, it's, it's, it's like putting a, a junior player out there at times with, with Bantam players. There's, there's just a, a very clear difference in his ability to dictate how the game is played. And not like I ever questioned it. Remember the remember. Who was it that came out and said that McDavid had to play a different way? Was it Barry Melrose? Like he had to change his game? This is Torts? Playoffs? Might have been Torts. It was Torts. Yeah. It yeah. was Torts. Here, here's your argument. He is changing the game. He's basically deciding that you're going to treat everybody like the redheaded stepchild. He's just going to dominate the game himself. That's the change that, <laughs> that's the change that he decided to make. 
It wasn't that he was going to, you know, play a little more physical or abrasive. He was just going to elevate his game. And it's, I think, amazing to market the game nowadays with the idea that this guy has found a new level that we didn't know existed. Okay. And, he, and he's just blown the doors off. Before I get you in here, Justin, nope. just, to, just to pick up on your point, that, that conversation is typically set for NBA guys who play almost every minute and their rosters are half of what uh, the league roster is in the NHL. Uh, it's it's not that is it i should ask you is it realistic that da- mcdavid can do this for four rounds to win a stanley cup or will it catch up to him well i think the deeper that you get in the playoffs the deeper the teams you get right so I, I, my biggest excitement is to watch a team as you know t- top to bottom first line to fourth line uh top pairing the bottom pairing in colorado and see essentially how they're going to handle edmonton Right, and basically it's going to be McDavid. Can he do it? That, that's that's the the big outlier, and and I think that's a question that we're all excited to see if he can if he can answer it. Because currently, I mean, let's let's just say this: aside from McDavid, the one thing about this entire series that you didn't think was going to ever be said was the Edmonton Oilers are out goaltending the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Like save percentage for Mike Smith. Aside from the long bomb that Doug Flutie threw at him in, for the third goal. Uh, the overall play has elevated from a perspective of Mike Smith and for the Edmonton Oilers, where they had not previously been getting goaltending over the course of the year, or even in the LA series where they fall confident. It's amazing now in the, in the battle of Alberta that you've got an Edmonton Oilers team that is less likely to look over the shoulder to wonder if the goaltending is going to stand up and, 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 and be capable. And my key indicator of this and having confidence in your goaltending is as deflating as that third goal was coming from 140 feet away, Edmonton didn't buckle. And that is a, that is a, that is a layup for a team to, to psychologically fold up the tent and go home. And they didn't. And I, I'm actually pretty impressed that, that Edmonton did that because to describe the Edmonton Oilers ever as a team that's got their identity and they got it together, is, it's rarely heard and rarely said. Yeah, no, they've been uh, fascinating. Uh, Vander Kane, one of those guys, uh, a huge part of that. 12 goals in 11 games so far. Did you know, uh, Kipper, that 19 goals is the record for goals in the Reggie postseason? Reggie Leach. Oh, okay. I actually didn't even know who it was. So look at he showed me. But yeah, like Kane, if he goes even another round, oh, this guy's up. Maybe, maybe uh, Yari Curry tied him. I don't know. Sammy, get on that. All right. Well, we're, we're digging into that. What, what are your thoughts on the impact it's had uh, Wardo, just having someone that can hang with Kane, you know, Kipper's point is just not just physical, but he can skate with Kane too, or sorry, skate with McDavid. With McDavid, and, and so here's one of the things, they're dominating in the power play uh, carry entry percentage. Edmonton is, uh, significantly. They're, they're mm-hmm. getting in 92.7% of the time versus Calgary's getting in 43, uh, 83.7. So Edmonton is first in all the remaining series that exist. So actually we count Tampa and Florida. So the, the quarterfinal series that, that exists, Edmonton leads in the power play entry. And I would tell you the fact that you do have a guy in Kane that you don't only focus on McDavid pulling it up the, the right side and, and, and trying to enter it on his own and hoping that, that he holds on long enough to get some help. Now you've got a, a guy in Kane that not only skill set wise, but also, you know, that abrasiveness you need sometimes on a puck retrieval on the power play. You're playing a team in Calgary that's going to kind of try and bully you no matter what the situation. So five on five or five on four, they're going to take liberties. I mean, you saw what, what Calgary did to Dreisaitl in that one clip with three of the four guys taking baseball swings at Dreisaitl's ankle. When you get out there, you've got a guy in Kane that can kind of 
you know, withstand some of the physical battles that, that exist, but also police it himself. So um, he has done wonders, even though he's not the most admired guy on, on, the, on the Edmonton Oilers or the guy in the National Hockey League. He is, and there should be some in this hockey world, they go back to Kenny Holland, grab Kenny by the hand, shake his hand and say, I'm sorry for calling you all the bad names I did on this acquisition. It was a stroke of brilliance. Maybe not a public, uh, you know, whatever. It wasn't a win publicly, but from, from a standpoint of the team, you heard McDavid say when, when Kane first came here, we'll, we'll accept him as a teammate. And now clearly he's assimilated in that locker room and, and really meshed well and figured out how he fits in with all those guys. So now it's not just the McDavid dry sidle show. You're having, to, you're having to account for Kane, specifically in the power play, of being another guy you have to you have to really quell when he's out there. If Edmonton's able, Wardo, to put this away, it'll be off of uh, McDavid and, and Smith's back, uh, essentially. Uh, that's the narrative out of Edmonton. If it's the the thought of Calgary, where's the first place you look? An, an, nice. an overwhelmed I'm, blue line? Because you no, mentioned... I'm lost. I'm lost. Like, look at this team in Calgary. What has been their identity, right? So every time you sit there, so through the Dallas series, you keep waiting for three specifics to occur, to emerge, to show their face. And only, like in the last game, the only blip you got on the screen was the Lindholm going, where's Gaudreau been and where's Kachuk been? In a series where you think that Kachuk would have a clear influence on how the game was played, they would dictate this game to the Edmonton Oilers. They force them to react. None of that is happening. Those guys are dormant. And I don't know. I don't know. So the question is, is it something in the Calgary locker room systematically that's, that's, that's failing? Or has Edmonton got some magic juju that's going on that they've, they've figured out they know how to neutralize this team? Is there a lesson from Dallas? And this is where I draw back. If you think how Dallas maintained being in that series, they were patient. They didn't, they didn't engage in the stupidity. There was the one fight, was it Heiskanen or, or Klinberg that fought uh, Kachuk? I think Heiskanen fought defense. three times. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so Klinberg, they, Klinberg. Sho- All right, right. Yeah, Klinberg. They, sh- they showed up, they showed up, and they responded to Calgary's kind of shenanigans. But overall, they played an incredibly smart and disciplined game. I didn't think Edmonton had that, but for some reason, like now Calgary's engaged in a street hockey game with the best three hockey players in the world. Like Edmonton wants a, a kind of messed up, not a full system sometimes, play system at other times. This is playing right under their hands. And the top line for Calgary is non-existent and zero impact. And that's a major concern. And I would say last year when we talked about the Flames, that was the thing. It was like they had this great team on paper and it was like, but why, where are they? What happens with this group? Do you have faith that they can find it again, that there is still a good enough group in there to, to, to pull through? Or is this just like we're watching a team sort of slowly wilt? Well, here's, I'm just going to say it. Could we have another Edmonton Oilers 2006 in our hands? And what I mean by that is, 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 it, is it a team that's, that's momentum-wise apexing and maybe not getting full respect when you get into these series, and it's sometimes too late when you get into game four, five, and six, to respect them again. So mm-hmm. I'll say this about Calgary. I'll say this about Calgary. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a contract year for Gaudreau, right? UFA? Sure is. He's losing money by the game. And, and, it's, and I wouldn't put it all on his shoulders, but the impact guys who command the big dollars, 
they, they've got to show up in the toughest moments, and, and he's not there. So, again, it, it's, we almost wait for the postmortem of the series, however it plays out, to really be able to comprehend this. Because as this is going on, whether you look at, you know, eye tests or number tests, none of this makes sense to me. Like, I, I honestly thought Calgary in four, we're gonna, I'm, I'm thinking about, oh, I could be going to Cowboys maybe if I get my company to send me out there. I'm, I'm going to go have some pops out in Western Canada. I can't wait for it. And now, they, I mean, there could be some serious golf played in, in, in Calgary soon. I, I watched that blue line on, on Calgary, Wardo, and a lot of them come in with 10, 15 career playoff games. And no Tanov, and we saw him play and labor like crazy. He's just, I, I don't know what he's at, 30%, 40%, the poor guy. But as a defenseman, Wardo, are you sympathetic to these guys having to shut down McDavid? I can only imagine whether it's Kirk Muller or, or Daryl going to the, the, the blue line and saying, hey, why don't you try this? And then th- them laughing really hard at them going, have you watched 97? Like, what do you expect me to do? Yeah. Right. And, and I would say this. There's, there's also something to be said that, you know, Tanev goes out there and I think he got an assist in the game. So, I mean, good on him. Kudos. From an inspirational standpoint for that locker room, that says a lot, right? A guy wants to gut it out. And I can give you plenty of guys that I played with that, that in the midst of the playoffs took shots in order to play. Played when he knew there was no reason for them to play, but they wanted to be there because they knew that there would be something that would kind of spurn the guys on. Playing seven defensemen at this stage of the season sucks. And I'll say why. Because, listen, Stone is probably not the best guy you want out there against a lot of guys for Edmonton. Uh, Branson, you know, I mean, it's serviceable. But, again, if, if you're going to have to log minutes, if, if these seven Ds, Lacking chemistry, right? The easiest fallback is generally you know your partner. You played with a guy by this stage of the playoffs, and you know his intangibles. You know where he's going to be. You don't have to talk about it. You know the guy knows when you're under duress, you're either going to go off the glass or you expect him to be there for reverse. These things don't exist when you're not exactly sure who your partner is from shift to shift. Add to that that guys play one-on-ones gap-wise completely different, right? So I always knew Zidane Chara was going to stand up. Most likely, and it wasn't good for the Boston Bruins, but you had to have me go back and retrieve that puck, right? So guys have to read differently and, and adapt on the fly a, a little bit more than normal. And now you put in the fact that the game is playing at a high speed and, and you have to think quick. And if you're, if you're on the ice with McDavid, man, is he picking your pocket like so quick and you don't, have a, you don't have but a moment to make a play and it better be the right play because it's going to get ugly if it's not. What are we talking about experience a little bit there? And, and Kipper and I talked about uh, the idea of heart of a champion in St. Louis and their just unwillingness to roll over Tampa Bay. You know, the Leafs had their backs up against the wall. You've won Stanley Cups before. Like, I know it's impossible to put your finger on, but what is it? What is this thing that, like, Colorado hasn't found yet or they, the Leafs haven't found yet? What, what is it that they, these teams that have won before have found? I would say it's like the, the encountering adversity and understanding how to, how to cope with it. And it's the truth. I mean, yeah. if you look at Tampa, T- Tampa, Tampa was down. And, and Tampa had an unwavering confidence in their locker room from guys you think like, like oh, you think yourself. You got Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon. And they're out there on the ice and think yourself. They're, sometimes they're taking out space. They're not. 
guys, those are probably the steadiest, most composed guys on the ice that when you get down to moments like this, they can impart their experience. There's oftentimes like an old guy goes somewhere and there's jokes made about it, but there's the pedigree. Think about Eric Stahl last year, right? Not the fleetest of foot at that stage of his career. What did he do for, what did he do for uh, Montreal? He galvanized a, a fourth line of Corey Perry and Joel Armia, mm-hmm. right? Older guys have their value in, in, in tough situations. So I'd say uh, some of the teams that do have that ability consistently to overcome the negative and tough situations are because they've been there before. They know how to react. The moment is never overwhelming. And if you have a, a, a gathering of young guys, at least the older guys are in a position to guide and guide them through it. But uh, the other thing you got to look at in, in tough situations, back up against the wall, it doesn't hurt having Vasilevsky. Just going to say that, throw it out there. It's very <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, before we let you go, Wardo, does Edmonton end this tonight? I, I, honestly, like I, I'm kind of choked up saying this. Yes. Like I was, I thought like this, my prediction was Calgary, but, but I'm like, there's nothing that Calgary gives me right now that leads me to believe defensively going to be able to neutralize what Edmonton's bringing. Offensively, they still haven't found their stride. And Edmonton is just, I mean, they're just playing with like relaxed ease, playing with the flow, almost like it, it doesn't require any effort the way they're playing. So I think Edmonton's got it. Wardo, we always appreciate your time on our show, man. Thanks for um, thanks for doing it. No problem. Thank you. Aaron Ward, three-time Stanley Cup champion. And uh, you getting that sense, too? Edmonton's just rolling right now, and the momentum uh, is unstoppable, at least in this series. No, I'm going to keep taking the L on this. I'm, I'm going to keep going to bat yeah. for the Flames. I, I just... That's a, yeah. that's a good hockey team. They fit a second in the Western Conference. Uh, I mean, I look at the Oilers' D and I go, can you see a, a, a day where it falls apart for CeCe, Keith, uh, Barry? You know, a lot of these guys on the defensive side of the puck, not awesome. I, I probably should have asked you this pre-show, but what are the puck possession numbers in that series? It just seems like Edmonton has the puck the entire game. It's funny you ask. I'm actually picking through that while while talking to Ward. I was actually looking to see who um, who McDavid has played the most against for Calgary's D. Looks like uh, now they're trying to play Hannafin against yes. him as much as Which possible. They probably should have been doing it from the start. I actually like Hannafin a lot. That's a good well, he player. He can skate, right? That's crucial. Like you can't defend unless I, I just and don't. He's he's come a long way, but he's still not elite. Elite. Yeah. I think so. I think, at five well, on five, the Flames have have had sixty percent of the shot attempts. Really? Yeah. So I just my eye test is just way off. Expected goals fifty five. I don't think it's maybe it's because it's at ten thirty at night. I'm half asleep. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but I have uh, David's like a, a very very strong feeling that if Calgary loses tonight, this will also be Johnny Goudreau's last game as a Calgary Flame. There are a couple things that make me, you know. So I've said that I believe in this. Flames group, and I'm going to keep uh, sticking my neck out there on that. But I worry about a few things, that there have been stretches where Goudreau has just sort of quietly gone away. And there have been, uh, you know, I don't know, Markstrom hasn't looked like Markstrom. Like, if Markstrom has one bad game tonight and Mary McDavid goes off, like, that's all it takes now. So, And I know everything on this show always comes back to the Leafs. Well, but it should. two years away from... Austin Matthews being a UFA, this is a pivotal time right now for the Calgary Flames. 
Leafs, it's a year and a half still away, but like Goudreau gone. And if Goudreau's gone, I'm telling you, a year from now, we're talking about Matthew Kachuk leaving too. Think about in two years, those two guys not in Calgary's lineup. Where are they as a franchise? Hmm. Yeah, Man. the Kachuk thing's interesting. Like, you know, Wardo mentioned... No pressure then tonight for the Flames. Nothing, <laughs> nothing on them tonight. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't see... I think they could win tonight, but I, I, I don't know how you hold them down. He's just a wild dog right now. There's just no way to hold him down. <laughs> no, it's he's feral. Like it's just—it's <laughs> like I'm not grabbing him. How are you beating a team with him on it three times in a row? I, I don't know the recipe. I, I think that's I the best understand. case I've heard against me thinking the Flames are going to win. It's just like you can keep McDavid down, but like maybe for a night. No, you're not going to three games. And he's going to have a night where he gets three if, points. They kind of did you know. the other night, and they still lost. Yeah. And if there are moments where he's actually just going the speed limit, you got to get your licks in on him. Yeah. You do. Sure. And you've got to you got to raise the the blood level of 19 other guys on the Oilers that they're 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 taking healthy runs at uh, at our best player or they're going to hurt him. You've got to turn around that that easy energy that they've had right now. Yeah. No, it is interesting, and I think that's when a guy like Chuck gets engaged too, right? When he's fired up and they're, it's right. emotional, and then all of a sudden he's involved. And he involved. makes himself uh, the storyline. Yeah. yeah. He's the best when he's like that, so I don't know how is you ask tonight? him to do that. Is he going to be at his best being at his worst? I just can't see a scenario where the Flames go out there and they just kind of hockey it about and they lose 3-2, to two and that's the year. D- the Daryl Sutter teams go down swinging. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so eight and one in elimination games. Ooh, how about that stat? Daryl Sutter, Sutter teams. teams. There you go. Eight and one in elimination. We're, we're going to get into that with Pete Labardius. Of course, he does the uh, the fan nine sixty flames color analyst. Uh, I've known Lou for a long time, and if uh, if anyone's got the passion to describe what's going on, it will be Lou after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. Back after these words. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Calgary Flames trying to hold on tonight. Love this next guest. Passion, mm-hmm. emotion, you want it all? Yes. Let's bring in Pete Labardius. All right. <laughs> Order that man a tracksuit. <laughs> yeah, if you can if you can find one these days that fits. Um, How are yeah, you, buddy? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's great to uh, catch up with you guys again. Okay. As only you can describe this, like what are we watching now when it comes to 97 and and – and what's happening to the Calgary Flames? Like, have, in your lifetime, have you ever seen anything like it? No. Um, Nick, for years, and we've even chatted off the air about, you know, both these teams. And what I am seeing from Connor McDavid right now, I'm not sure I've ever witnessed anybody play the sport at a much higher level. And I truly believe the reason is, is I've never seen him play with this kind of will. And, you know, he has gone out, he's 
you know, one one play that maybe nobody noticed. I'm just not so sure it would have happened for him in the past. But in game two, Edmonton's protecting a two-goal lead. And there's about a minute and a half left. And Michael Stone, if you watch the sport, you know, he can hit it at 100-plus. And there's Connor McDavid in a shooting lane blocking a shot. And I've always said about Connor this. There's never been a doubt very early that he's as dangerous with a hockey puck as any player I've ever watched in my 56 years of, of life. But when he starts to dig in as fast as he is and as committed as he is to get it back, to hit more, now there's a problem. <laughs> and that starts with game six of the LA series to me is what is just put this guy at a level that I think you could talk about with all the greats we've ever seen in the sport. So Connor McDavid has done his thing and willed the Oilers to this uh, three to one lead over the flames. What's up with the flames top guys right now? A couple of points each uh, at five on five. Um, Not, not really, you know, not the best versions of themselves. I don't think it even strength. What are you seeing out of their top line? Well, what I'm seeing to be frank is not enough. Yeah. And, um, listen, Elias Lindholm is a terrific player. And he gives those two guys, meaning Kachuk and Gaudreau, a lot of freedom with his play. But when you are playing against Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and King, well, you can't in any way, shape, or form cheat your responsibilities. Not that they're cheating, but you've got to check first and then make plays after. And in the two games in Edmonton, when Edmonton and Justin had the last change, mm-hmm. that line was not only like beat, but they were underwater. And as much as this line has been about, you know, three and it's been impressive during the regular season, all guys with 40 goals, well, guess what? For me, what was most impressive was like plus 64 and plus 61 and plus 56. Well, since game one, it's been nothing but minus. That's not good enough. It, it's Nobody is expecting those guys at the level that Connor and friends are playing at to necessarily outscore them. You can't be underwater. And, and when you get chances and you are in the Oilers' zone, because listen, I don't know much, but I do know this. The best way to defend Connor McDavid is to make him defend you. And so you need to, when you get your chances, to be more productive, harder to play against. And, you know, the one guy in particular, I'll just lay it out there. Need to see a better Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. He's got he's to move his feet. He's got to be engaged. And, and he's a guy that can absolutely drag you in but right now i'm not seeing enough we're talking to pete labardius uh, the calgary flames radio color analyst on the fan 960 so here we have johnny gaudreau betting on himself uh, in the last year of his deal has a career year and everything's pointing in the right direction yet lou if Calgary goes away quietly here, if Johnny Hockey goes away quietly here, 
you can just hear the narrative once again that he has difficulty playing a big man's game this time of year. Fact or fiction? No, it's fact. It's it's absolute fact. And, and I do think, um, you know, Johnny has had his best year. And I do think he has taken steps. And even in the Dallas series, you know, in crucial moments, I thought he was much better. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding at a certain point in time now. Guess what? They haven't lost four yet. They're at home tonight. They've been a good home team. That's been a really good line at home all season long. I like the Flames against the Oilers better at home because, you know, certainly when you get some defensive zone scenarios against McDavid, I think they're going to see a lot of the backland line, which should potentially free up the other guys. But but here's the two guys in the series from Edmonton people aren't talking about enough. Nugent and Seth Kyman. So you guys even think about tonight. If, if you're the Lindholm line, okay, it's one thing if you're on the wrong side of the ledger when you're out on the ice against the other guys. That can't be the case against that group. And no. those guys, since a, a, a bit of a pedestrian, and the whole team, Jay Woodcroft said it, was pedestrian in game one. Well, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins and, and whoever has jumped up, they used Yamamoto late in game four the other day. Um those guys deserve a lot of credit. And in the last two games, Brian Nugent Hopkins has played more minutes than Connor McDavid because he he checks every box. He plays in every situation. So if you're the Lindholm line, and if that is kind of the matchup a lot of the night, you better be on the right side of that one. No kidding. You know, one of the things that struck me, uh, he was the, the, the Sutter press conference after game four, where normally I find him uh, very direct. I think all people do because he is very direct and, and usually a little bit harsh on some of his guys. They'll let him know if he doesn't like other playing. After the last loss, I thought he was, I don't want to say jovial, but at least upbeat and positive and liked his team and good first period and kind of haven't heard him talk like that before. Did you notice a difference in his tone? And, and if you did, what, what's that about? What's that about? I think I explain it easily. When when you expect Daryl to be the harshest on his group, it's generally when he takes his foot off the gas. When he's hardest on his group is actually when he's driving them to be better when they are good. And and I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, he never stops challenging anybody. I guarantee you, if he doesn't like how a guy sells beer in Section 208, you're going to be challenging him too, because that's just that's who he is. Yeah. Um, but you know, Justin, you've been around the sport, you know, Nick, both you guys, your whole lives. You generally, it's not the best idea I've found to maybe kick people a little bit when they're down, because then you can really lose them. So Daryl always has a tendency, actually, when his guys aren't playing very well at least publicly, to go in the other direction. Because nobody knows better about who's playing well and who's done this and analytics and all of it. Daryl is one sharp. Like, there's a lot going on in those in that head between those. He's a brilliant guy. And that's what I think it's all about. I mean, 
there's more than enough pressure on this team's top players, whether it's the goalie, whether it's the line that we've talked about, whether it's Hannafin and Anderson on defense. This this is not the time to uh, have 15 yards for piling on. Pete, when we talk about Calgary's defense, we're talking about one that pretty much has done it by committee, yet we think and we know their their top shutdown guy in Tanev isn't there. How overwhelmed are they right now? And how much could they have used maybe one, and I can say this for any team, but, you know, one elite, elite defenseman, Hedman, Makar, Fox, teams still have an elite, elite guy. Is is this where it catches up to Calgary a little bit? I, I think it does, Nick, but I would say this. If Chris Tanev was at 100%, which, you know, he literally, anybody who watched the other night, this this guy's unbelievable. He might have one of the highest pain thresholds of any player I've ever seen, heard about. It's almost borderline inhuman. But even to look at how the Flames played as a group back there on defense in game four in comparison to games one, two, and three, I'm not sure this series isn't, in a different place, even just with him. You know, he really, as the elder statesman, the best shutdown guy of that entire group, you know, as Daryl even said again today, you know, he's he's like a security blanket. And everybody around him benefits. He's just so smart and composed. I knew going in when there was a real good chance he wasn't going to play and certainly wasn't going to be 100%. Personally, that was my biggest concern going in because you knew how difficult it was going to be to deal with Edmonton's top people and to not have your best guy. And here's the other thing too, Nick, that that both you guys will understand. So Chris is also by far and away this team's best penalty killer. And while the Oilers only have two power play goals, well, now for people like Anderson and Hannafin, it means more time on the penalty kill. And so now your minutes are even more taxing, which affects potentially your entire game. And I don't care whether they're two for 21 or not. They remind me of the Russians right now back in the day where every time they get it, you're like on pins and needles for two minutes. Well, and part of the plan to stop Edmonton is goaltending. You know, Markstrom's supposed to be the the leg up that the the Flames have in this series. Um, any concerns about Markstrom as this these series head into crucial games for the Flames? Yeah, there has been concern because you know Jacobs had a marvelous year up for the Vesna, completely deserves it. Has not only been great for this team on the ice, but I believe he's been part of a culture change here but the Edmonton Oilers in his career have been kind of I guess the word I've heard from others has been kryptonite and um, I give him a lot of credit that's that's a tough way to start the game in game four you know the third one's kind of a tough one and then he came back and you know by and large shut the door gave his team a chance to come back and win the game but you know the top line has to be better. The top defensemen have to be better tonight than they've been. And 
he probably needs to give you a Vezina-type performance. And if he does and he's more than capable, I think the Flames can maybe still cause some havoc in this series. But without (laughs) – how many times do we say it? It's the greatest cliche in sports because it's the most true. At this time of year, your best people have to be their best. And if they're not, you're not going very far. It's going to be a lot of fun, Lou. Uh, enjoy the game, man. I, I, I hope it extends. I, I really do. And uh, the energy between both these cities, it's been fabulous. We just need to see a couple more games, right? I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You know what else, Nick? What's that, My buddy? wallet. My wallet's also pretty good with that. <laughs> sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Pete. Pete Labardius. Told you. Passion. Yes. Energy. Oh, he knows that team, too. What do we think here? Honestly, is there any room for Markstrom? He needs... He's got to turn himself into a Vasilevsky here. Yeah. Where, yeah, I haven't been good in this series, but I can be good when it matters the most. Yeah, that um, that happened in the Toronto series, that Vasilevsky guy. He got it figured out after a rocky start. It's uh, It's doable for sure. And he is one of the guys, I think we talked going to playoffs, like who do you believe in for starting goaltenders? I think he was like one of three names we had. And he hasn't necessarily been bad, but he needs to be better than Mike Smith, who, you know, hasn't been awesome himself. But he needs, they need more from him. Kipper, we, never, we didn't get your take yesterday on the, the Mike Smith goal. What did you think when you well, saw that one What's his take going to be? It was good? No, no. What, what, <laughs> what were you thinking when you saw that one going? Did you hear, did you hear uh, Sutter talk about it? it yeah. Um, it, just, it just totally shaped up for, like, this is the turning point, right? This is the, this is the, this is the one that people are going to look back on and go, oh, my mm-hmm. God, this is, this is when it all unraveled. He blew it for, he the blew it for them. Yeah. I thought he was awesome in his post saying we could we could laugh about this now <laughs> right you know what though he said like or can i laugh about this now is it okay can we laugh about this now and but he did say that other people didn't see it too so i felt better about that i was like what are you talking about like you're the only guy who needs to see it don't worry about what anyone else said so is that the, is that the equivalent to a center fielder just losing a, a lazy fly ball I don't know. The goalie covers a lot more of the important area than a center fielder does. Like, you know. <laughs> but it Smith, is kind of, you, you lose you lose track no different than a I, ball For sure. Lost it's in up the, in the in fans the and in someone's wearing a no, dark I, shirt I, or something. But Mike Smith is six foot four. Just get your humanity in front of the hockey net. I don't know. And, and he has been fabulous, but he has not done anything to shed that. Wow. Something crazy could happen to Mike Smith at any second, at any time. I don't care how well he plays. Yeah. I don't care if he's standing on the top of his head and doing spins. Like that there's there could be a, a split second when it's like, oh, oh, it just happened. Yeah. And he might make nine ten bell saves right before he makes the one that makes you, oh, it just happened. But it's unpredictable. And that's why it's tough to predict the Oilers you know, keeping it up for four rounds on the way to a cup that it just doesn't go wrong for Smith at some point. But boy, um, you know, he is capable of getting hot and hey, here we are. I'm starting to get the feeling that we always talk about the great players that get theirs, that they get one, you know, like Sid Sid eventually got, like all the greats get them. I'm starting to get the feeling that this is a bit of a magical run for the Oilers. I, I, I know Colorado yeah. is is 
uh, form of, they're a big team. I Colorado know, uh, will consume their lunch in front of them and make them sit and watch them eat it. That's what I thought the Flames were going to do. <laughs> that's what I thought the Flames were going to do. Uh, well, in fairness, I thought, yeah, the Flames would I don't know, man. Get a tougher I, can go, can but... they get past St. Louis first? Oh, oh no. right, that team. Oh, I, yeah, listen, that's, that's uh, St. Louis's uh, Kipper's right. Cup pick. I was going to bring I was gonna bring that up at, but before uh, Borny so rudely interrupted me. I was, you know, or St. Louis, I feel like it would be a tough, tough okay, battle. But Any team is beat. I just, I'm starting to think. Starting to wonder. I I want to just remind people, like it, it's yes, it's the playoffs, and you see what you see today. But mm-hmm. we, it, it's not even the halfway mark. No, to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, right. So, I re- I remember my early in my career with the Washington Capitals, and you're like, you find yourself in a conference final. And you're like, this is so cool. You're just one of four teams. Proud to be that right? deep. Yeah. And you're like, this is, like, we're close. Yeah. And all I remember is playing the Boston Bruins. And then a week later, we're just one of 20 teams out of the playoffs. Yeah, just right? another team not just playing. Just another team not playing. Yeah. And you're like, well, we were close. And we're like, no, you're only halfway. Yeah. You're really not that close. And yeah. That's kind of the reminder here, and I get Sammy. I get I get the vibe you're getting, yeah. but to really comprehend how much more hockey there has to be played here to get to this magical run, I just you just need to see more for a longer stretch before yeah. you're in that window, Sammy. I mean, there's, they just have something that no one else has. Today, and it's, and the, Jesus. And it's the greatest. It's the greatest player today, m- maybe ever. And Kane, played. McDavid, Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman—they yeah. got hockey players. But, they're, but you know, it, go ahead. I, I'm not a believer in their decor, as I've mentioned. Well, and now we're still into that—that that it factor. And Edmonton has it, or I'm sorry, the St. Louis showed it. Tampa Bay showed it. And uh, I think we've got a clip of Mark Messier. Oh, well, Edmonton showed it too after the, the Mike Smith goal. And they yeah, no, in that yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. But but as far as having that 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 secret recipe mm-hmm. to, to rely on, to go back to, um, Edmonton doesn't have it. They're in that, that new stage. And everybody's got it at one point, of course, be in that yeah, position. Do and, the and first are, they, time are they ready once. now? Are they ready now right. to get to that level? But Mark Messier, I think uh, Sammy who was on the morning show, kind of spoke on the, the the trump card, the the ace in the hole on teams like St. Louis and Tampa Bay, who can reach into their pocket and and pull out that card when you need it. Do we have a clip of we got Mark it, yeah. Messier? It's a little longer. It's about two minutes and 20 seconds, but it's oh, great. We're not it's, going anywhere. It's, it's mess. You want to listen to it's it? Yeah. Leafs. It's mess and it's on yeah. the Leafs. Let's, let's have go. a listen. Mark Messier. I think the Leafs took a massive step forward this year in understanding what is, it, what is actually uh, entailed in order to play Stanley Cup winning hockey. Um, I think the last few years when they lost, I think you could all point to it and say that they're not they're not committed to playing the type of hockey that you, it, that is needed in order to win in the playoffs. And if you ever are unsure of that, you know, just rewind and watch the, you know, the, the game four of, of the Tampa-Florida series and watch Tampa Bay play the game from the start of that game to the finish. Uh, the sacrifice, the blocking shots, the, deep, the, the, 
the uh, the detail of their game in every area, uh, defense, offense, uh, teamwork, the way they play together, the way they support each other, uh, the, you know, the leadership, the goaltending. Um, you know, you're looking at DNA championship right there. And, and, and when you do win, that's the benefit of winning that you have over the rest of the league is because the lessons that you've learned and, and knowing how far you can take it and how far you can push yourself and what you're willing to sacrifice for the guy sitting next to you, that's the level that you need to get to in order to win in the Stanley Cup in the NHL. I'm not sure about other sports. I'm sure it's the same thing. I don't know. I've never played another sport. But I know in the NHL, without that, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. You're not going to back into a Stanley Cup. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup because it's your turn. Uh, you earn the Stanley Cup. That's the only way you win. And to me, when I watched the Leafs this year, I noticed a, a, a remarkable difference in the attitude and the in the body language of of Marner of of, of Matthews of Riley, um, they were playing at a, at a much more intense uh, uh, pace than they had in, in the others. It would it would meant more. Um, the sting hurt them more. The loss hurt them more. And those are all the things that you hope uh, that that our teams or help the teams grow. And so for me, they got beat by an incredible hockey team with a lot of championship DNA and a goaltender. Maybe they're going to go down as the best ever. So I don't think there was any shame for the for the for the uh, for the Leafs losing this year because I saw massive growth, and I think they're going to take this into next year hopefully, and uh, and uh, you know really kind of take that next step. It would be my would be my guess. We don't. We all believe that the Leafs are closer. But he also said, "You just don't win because it's your turn." That's that's the line that stuck out to me, and the tone of it. I wanted to be like, "Ah, this year was different. This year is no different than any other year." But then it's like Messier, the greatest winner in the history of the league, is like, "Yeah, it was different." The it's thing- hard. It's not. It's hard to not listen to that, and I feel a little bit differently, to be honest. Yep. the The thing that stood out to me, and Kipper grabbed his pen at the same time I did on this, is the line: uh, "You don't back into a Stanley Cup." I don't know if that stood out to you at all. Sure. But you don't back into a Stanley Cup. You you go through the front door, or you don't yeah. get it. You go right at people and through them, and there are confrontations yeah. and hardships, and there's no hiding. You don't sneak your way through a quiet series like. It's going to get loud. The other team is going to answer and push back and have moments, and you're going to have to face them. And I thought the Leafs did a pretty good job of that in the first round this this year. At the end of the day, they didn't win, but I get what Messier is saying, that like you're going four rounds, there's no backing into it. No, no, uh, and, and you don't get to win a Stanley Cup from just a, a process of elimination. It's not like musical chairs. Like it's a good core. It's the fifth time you've tried. You're not like going to back into a Stanley Cup. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup because it's your turn. Uh, yeah. You earn the Stanley Cup. That's the only way you win. And that, that, uh, that in a nutshell, uh, explains everything. And there are some teams that think that they're, they are getting closer, and Toronto would be one of them. Uh, but I will I will stand by this, that what you really got to understand is when you know opportunity meets the prep work that you put in yeah and for some teams it's a challenge because of this dreaded disgusting thing called the salary cap and if the leafs are going to take a next step they may have to do it by subtraction you're you, you don't get to necessarily add because of this 
salary mm-hmm. cap. And there, how, how do you do that now? How do you now replace certain players? Yeah. The cap in the next two years. And if we're in that window for the Toronto Maple Leafs and pay attention, Sammy, where you've got two years to resign Matthews, how are you going to add to Matthews when the cap remains flat or goes up $1 million? Whoop-de-doo. You know, I, I do think that there is going to be a point for a guy like Matthews where they say... Sid Sid made eight point seven. You know, you made you're you're making a lot of money. You're going to make a lot of money. I know Excuse what you guys me. are going to say. Well, hey, you know you know what he said last time. Brendan Shanahan told him that we want to make him leave for life. That's why we have agents, right? No, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. interested. Not interested in uh, hearing uh, how Crosby. Yeah, uh, was always uh, has never been the highest paid player in the league. I don't think this is the guy that you want to pull that on. Yeah, some I, guys I, are just. Some I do guys tend are, to agree. Some guys are built different. Yes, you know, like even McDavid I mean, was talking about. Taking I, less. I I look at this. I think New York, he did take less. He actually hey, they did the deal for thirteen five and go, walked it back. And, and Leafs aren't the only ones. Like every team that's chasing this cup, that they think that it's getting closer and closer. There, there's many of them in the same boat. The Rangers, the perception is the Rangers are this young and up and coming team. Go look at the salary cap issues that they are going to have in the next two years. They're also by subtraction. <laughs> yeah. Right? They also have to... Uh, Zabanajad, uh, that, that $9 million goes on the books. Fox's $9 million goes on the books. Kako is going to need a new deal in, in a year. Uh, they can't afford Panarin's centerman in Strom. They can't afford him next year. Everybody's well, like Zach Hyman, McKay of here. Andrew Cop's a UFA. So who who gets to stay? Is it Strom? Is it Cop? You can't keep them both. Mm-hmm. Just looking at what they have on the books that isn't up. Um, yeah, the, their team is basically Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, Goodrow, Heedle, and, and Reeves. Lafreniere and Hunter. They're coming up. Yeah. Yeah, they are coming up. They come up uh, 2023 summer. One year. Yeah. In one year, you're going to have to sign that. Keandre Miller. Here's a guy that's 20 years old, top four. What do you think his next deal in a year yeah. is going to look like? Boy, eight, I mean, $8 million for Truba. They got 17 and a half tied up in Fox and Truba to start. Not, not that those are bad contracts because Fox is obviously – a Norris Trophy winning D-man, but... It's going to put more pressure on your stars like Zabanajad and Fox and Marner and Matthews to continue to one-up their career years. Yeah, good luck. I mean, you can only you can only do so much as an individual. Uh, all our, our Temi Panarin boy, $11.642 million a cap hit. He's got eight points in 11 games in the playoffs. Pan- he has not been... Panarin is the New York Rangers' John Tavares where you went and signed him and you overspent probably a little bit. Uh, but the thought was that the cap was going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's going to be a problem for them for sure. Not that I, not that he's not effective today, but there is 
four more seasons on that deal here for Panarin, who's 30 years old at this point. So, yeah, don't expect that to look great towards the back end of that deal. All right, so uh, where else do you want to go here? You want to talk about uh, the Florida Panthers just in terms of uh, Andrew Burnett? I get the sense, guys, that they may want to go next year, Florida, with some more experience. I do want to talk coaches, yeah, for sure, because there's a lot of interesting decisions out there to be made, and I don't really have a great sense of who's... I saw that Tortorella interviewed for the flyer job. I am hearing that... Again, I'm going to use Doug McLean's line. I'm not telling you if it's true. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. Right. That uh, uh, Barry Trotz has the Vegas job if he wants it. Really? <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised by that. It makes perfect sense. And oh, once that once great. that floodgate trots. once that floodgate uh, opens up, then everything will start. Everyone's waiting to see, can and, you get trots? And then if not, they'll get the next the, guy. And then you'll probably see Torts uh, take the Florida job. Yeah? Really? But every, I... everybody seems to be waiting on Barry Trotz's decision. What, what's Tortorella's job? What's John Tortorella's? That, that's just, to me, like, really? We're doing this again? Is, well, it, is it they're looking for the that, that two-year Tortorella bump, right? It's never longer than, was it, a year? A year and a half that he lasts, that it's really effective, but he does get a Yeah, I think uh, they're probably watching Calgary with Daryl Sutter. And Mm. while Calgary had all these issues uh, a year ago, Daryl found a way to straighten them out in an awfully big hurry. I think that's the, the, the mindset of maybe bringing in a Tortorella in Philadelphia. I get that. How long do you think Tortorello is in Columbus? How many seasons? Sammy, that one's for you. Just off the top of your head. Four. Six. 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 It seemed like two minutes to me. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm no, s- I, re- I think he had, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe he was there for that long. Um, but, you know, I think Sutter and Bruce Boudreaux have breathed a little life into some veteran coaches. Like You know, like, I don't know if Claude Julien is one or if a Mike Babcock or Joel Quenville again or, you know, some of the older names – like it feels like if you looked at the success that these older guys have had, yeah. yeah, you know, you'd say, "Oh, I want that. I want that veteran coach to come in." And- I I gotta wonder with a an underachieving Florida Panthers if if they don't revisit bringing back Joel Quenville. I wonder that too. That 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 intrigues me. But a that lot. would have to be an ownership now, first and foremost, backing it up. And pushing hard, and that would have to be the present owner um, Viola, who some say could have the team for up for sale. Mm. Whether or not he needs to just uh, be the one that goes back to Gary Bettman and says, "How do I get my second, the guy I'm paying? How do I get my <laughs> the second winningest coach in NHL history back behind my bench? What does he have to do or say?" Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do because while we didn't get the answers that we were all looking for out of the Chicago Blackhawks in their investigation, the the thought was that, uh, okay, then, you know, if we don't have any definitive answers or hard evidence, let's just blame Joel Quenville. 
You know, I, I am curious to know what they would have to do. I don't know if they're still paying him. They are. They are. Yes. So, like, could Joel just be like, yeah, I'll just resume for the same money you're already giving me? Just take that back? Yeah. Or? No, no, no. It would all come into place. But what, is, what does Joel have to do to be reinstated? Yeah. Like That's something I feel like you could do in Florida, but not in a lot of different places. Right. I agree with that. You know? like it's just You know such, who would not just... do well with uh, John Tortorella? Sorry. No, no, John no, no, Tortorella no. in Florida is Anthony Duclair. Didn't oh, Duclair yeah, play yeah, yeah, for yeah. him already and have a go poorly? I think he got traded out of, was it? It was Columbus, right? Was yeah. it in Columbus? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Torch is in Vancouver for, what, a year? But is it the Rangers? Like, you know, uh, Paul Maurice is out there. Like, we have Paul Maurice, too. Uh, Jay Woodcroft could be uh, one of those guys that could be in the mix, too. Detroit's looking for a coach. Detroit's Vegas, looking for a coach. I Winnipeg, like, the Islanders. No, I, they did There's Lambert, some teams right? looking uh, uh, looking and knocking on doors. They, they still haven't fired their own head coach. Yeah. Just see if we can get this guy yes. before we fire our guy. Yeah. Jeez. Woodcroft's done a great job, and I... I we were this talking is about, helping. We were talking about this yesterday, but he's got a little keef to him in terms of the way he is with the media. He like he talks for like twelve minutes at a time. He talks really long. I've been listening to him a lot of what he says. He gives a lot of information out. Really, really goes in depth with the media. It's a very interesting juxtaposition with him and Daryl Sutler Sutter as a as on the other well, side. Well, that's just uh, a newer generation for wh- sure. Where uh, communication is paramount and. Where Daryl's like, just here's your communication. You're not net yeah. tonight. Like when I, when I, I want you to uh, interpret my grunt right now. Yeah. That's my. That was my era. Uh. Uh. Oh my god, he doesn't like me. Oh, that's that. That was my era. That's the era to coach, eh? Just no video. Just grunted oh, people. Just hey, look at you, like cross-eyed. Yeah, You're I don't like, like I'm, that. Guy. I'm done. I'm never playing again for him. I mean, I, I have seen – it's funny how much the relationship of a player and coach really can just be personalities, just like not working together. I've seen players get traded because the coach genuinely – you hear everyone like, ah, the coach didn't like me. There are times when the coach is like, I just don't like that guy. He can't – I can't have him here. And you just get traded out of town. Not, not so much these days. I think that uh, that would be frowned upon. Well, I think just this generation, they need to know the whys. Mm-hmm. And there's there's gray. So it's not black and white. It's like, yeah, he doesn't like me. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, can you tell me why and exactly? And can I see the video? And I and I disagree with you, yeah, by the that, way. Yeah, that's another element. I also I don't agree with you here. I'm fine where I was, and that's this guy's responsibility, and he should have done this. That's why I didn't do that. Well, that's a fascinating thing, having been a video coach and seeing, you know, you call guys in for the one-on-one meetings and Sheldon would sit them down at this sort of center table, big screen, and, you know, you sort of click through the video with the guy and, you know, what would you see here? We don't like you here, whatever. And seeing the different ways that guys take it. And there are guys, young guys, with no background experience, whatever, it will be like, well, I don't know, that's not supposed to be me. He's supposed to go there. It's like, well, I just told you as the head coach that you're supposed to go there. So this is a short conversation. But there are guys that push. It's like him and, uh, who is it, VC? Vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Your game's vanilla out there. <laughs> I don't think that's something you want to hear from your head coach. That is a bomb from a coach. Oh, it's just I don't know where you go me. from there. Uh, to another team. 
<laughs> waivers. That's, That's a like given. Go. Yeah. New locker well, room. At yeah. least Sheldon and Jay Woodcroft give plenty of Kippers Clippers for our shows. Yeah, they do. So uh, who you got tonight, boys? Calgary, oh, Alberta, or Edmonton? I, you gotta, you gotta give Calgary one more shot at doing this. Yeah. Go back to Moss Park. Moss Pit. The Moss Pit. Moss Moss Park is close. Moss Park is the arena. Yeah. Uh, And Johnny Hockey. Like, want to be talking about earning nine or ten million dollars a year? You got to prove that you can you can play in the big game. You'd have to be crazy to do that, would you not? That is not a that is not a contract I would like to give him. Would he? uh, If they go away quietly and he does nothing in this game, yeah, he's still. Still going to end up with eight and a half, yeah. a year, and maybe nine. For seven years? Isn't he 30? Well, how old is he? 20. Listen, oh, he, he, he's going to, with his eyes closed, if he's healthy, he's going to get a point a game. And he's going to help teams get into the playoffs for the next, the next five years. People will pay top dollar for that. They're yeah. just too hard to find. Oilers do it tonight. They just can't stop him. There you go. Give me a score. Uh, McDavid, six, I'll and say, uh, Calgary, what? I'll say five, three. Five, three. McDavid, four points. JB? I think uh, the Oilers are quiet offensively tonight. Oh! They're, all, they're all over McDavid. Give me a bet. Give me a, uh, a best bet. Uh, minus 145 uh, is Calgary, and I, I'm betting it. All right, our thanks to Cam Jansen, Peter Labardius, and Aaron Ward. We're back tomorrow.